So the last thing that I made with my butcher box shipment was aloo chicken, and it turned out really well. One of my favorite things is to get the shipment and then open up the New York Times cooking app and see what I want to create over the next few weeks. It helps my creative cooking chops, and both my wife and I really enjoy it. ButcherBox offers a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing price, plus they have exclusive member deals, and they also have their own recipes, although I am preferential to the New York Times app, but that's just me. And you can sign up today at ButcherBox.com conspirituality and get their special deal. ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free-for-a-year offer plus an additional $20 off. So for that year, you can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at butcherbox.com conspirituality and use code conspirituality to choose your free for a year offer, plus get $20 off your first order. This episode is brought to you by The Jordan Harbinger Show. Do you want a new podcast to look forward to each week? One that's entertaining, informative, and packed with actionable content? Come on. Of course you do. The average podcast listener has six shows in rotation, so you're most likely not just listening to Conspirituality. And that's totally okay. I'd love to share a podcast to add to your list. The Jordan Harbinger Show is a top-shelf podcast named Best of Apple in 2018. So don't just ignore my suggestion to listen to this one like you probably do with your other friends who tell you to listen to podcasts. Jordan dives into the minds of fascinating people, from athletes to scientists, political activists, mobsters, even hostage negotiators. And Harbinger has an undeniable talent for getting his guests to share never-before-heard stories and thought-provoking insights. Without fail, he pulls out tactical bits of wisdom in each episode, all with the noble cause to make you more informed, a critical thinker, and to better operate in today's world. I was on his show. In preparation, I listened to a bunch of episodes. He's just really good at what he does. Like episode 880 features Ian Bremmer, you know, the top-notch political scientist. And the topic is dealing with the world in disarray. But then you have episodes like his skeptical Sunday format. Episode 882 looked at homeopathy. But he has other episodes on Ayurveda and also the popular pseudoscience of analyzing body language. There isn't a better podcast to listen to casually or seriously to expand your worldview. He's also got a strangely relatable weekly segment called Feedback Friday, where Jordan covers advice on everything from escaping a cult or a psycho family situation to relationships and networking and even to asking for a raise. So point blank, Jordan Harbinger is smart, funny, he's easy to listen to. You'll be pressed to find an episode without excellent conversation, a few laughs, and even actionable advice that you can directly use to improve your life. You can't go wrong with adding The Jordan Harbinger Show to your rotation. It's incredibly interesting. There's never a dull show. Search for The Jordan Harbinger Show. That's H-A-R-B as in boy, I-N as in Nancy, G-E-R, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're a fan of workplace comedies like The Office or satire like The Onion, then I have a podcast that I know you'll love. It's called Mega. 
Mega is an improvised satire from the staff of a fictional mega church. That's the premise. Each week, the hosts, Holly Laurent and Greg Hess, are joined by guests, since people like Cecily Strong or Jen Hatmaker, to portray characters inside the colorful world of Twin Hills Community Church, which they describe as a mega church with a tiny family feel. The result is a sharp-witted and hilarious look into the world of commercialized religion using humor to cope with the frightening amount of power that church and religion have. So I very much recommend you checking out Mega's episodes, like the one with Saturday Night Live Cecily Strong, playing Cece String, a hilarious character who's fresh out of jail, uh, and also comedian Jason Mantzoukas, you may find yourself dying of laughter and perhaps inspired to take an improv class yourself. Mega is able to keep you laughing as you think and reflect about the world we live in. You can find Mega on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. everyone. Welcome to Conspirituality. I'm Derek Barris. I'm Matthew Rumsky. I'm Julian Walker. You can stay up to date with us on all of our social media channels, including independently on Twitter, where we tweet out our random thoughts throughout the week uh, on our own channels. But collectively, we are kind of on Facebook and sometimes on TikTok. I maybe have an idea for another one. Uh, definitely on Instagram, though. And we know that some people have been trouble accessing us. It looks like we have been shadow banned uh, temporarily because of, I don't want to get into that, but you can, if you type out conspirituality pod, you will find us. It doesn't turn up until that. So we'll let that go for now, but we do post a lot of content there. So we hope you follow us there. We are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash conspirituality, where for $5 a month, you can help support us keep us editorially independent and get access to our Monday bonus episodes. Yeah, I feel like I should congratulate you both. I mean, being shadow banned, we're legit now, right? We've arrived. We, we are influencers, I guess. <laughs> All right, Conspirituality 94. Conspirituality goes to war. After two years of being lied to about COVID, are you really going to believe the mainstream media about what's happening in Ukraine? Didn't you know that Ukraine is a child trafficking hub? That it's full of US-funded bioweapons labs? Do you really think Putin is evil? Or do you just think that that's what you're told to think? Look at you with your all new, personalized, more terrifying feed to doom scroll. Only it's not new, just more intense. If it wasn't, how would the powers that be keep your attention while they instantly convert your money into social credit and make you pay $10 a gallon for gas? Wake up. See through the green screen battle screens and crisis actors covered in stage blood. The explosions are revelations. The flashes of light are miracles waiting to be recognized. Yes, dear listeners, conspirituality influencers have gone to war, and they've dragged us kicking and screaming to the front lines. But now that we're here, we're committed to understanding and negotiating this liminal space. We are podcast peacekeepers. Our rations are non-GMO. We have our helmets of analysis securely fastened. Our flak jackets will protect our vital organs, especially the pineal gland. Most importantly, our hearts will stay intact. To you at home, we urge you to plant your victory gardens now and keep the faith. 
conspiritualists have launched a brutal, illegal attack on a humanitarian crisis. They're monetizing a war in which starving 19-year-olds are killing civilians. Our influencers may well meet the reality of their empty souls on this battlefield. When they come home bandaged, they will need real soup and real jobs. And that will be up to us. All right. So I think it's worth opening this terrible episode with a review. Um, what do conspiracy theories offer those who adopt them? Now, we've cited the UK social psychologist Karen Douglas many times already. Uh, her formulation is pretty standard in the discipline. And uh, it says that conspiracy theories offer epistemic learning or the feeling that you're in the know, that you possess a secret uh, form of knowledge. And you, you meant meaning there, not learning, right? Uh, epistemic, epistemic meaning. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, you said learning, which could give a false impression. Oh, did I? Because these people are not learning jack shit. <laughs> <laughs> right. The same way they're not researching. Right. Okay, number two is existential protection. Uh, and that's the sense that this secret will protect uh, life and limb and you know social financial positions. And also social bonding, uh, that through this secret knowledge... Um, there's a kind of rare protection and that it, it will bring comrades, friends along the way, people that you can bond with over chosen values. And what the psychologists are generally too polite to say, because I think it's also out of their scope, is that conspiracy theories fail to satisfy every promise. Um, they don't provide epistemic meaning, learning, or safety because they're built on speculation, on untestable theses and unfalsifiable claims. You can't actually hold a conspiracy theory without a kind of religious faith because it's defined by not having receipts. So in the place of offering certainty, it actually generates an ominous cloud of doubt. And secondly, it obviously doesn't provide existential protection because the turmeric didn't save you from the EMFs. The pranayama didn't save you from COVID. Uh, Bitcoin didn't save you from capitalist exploitation. And Trump didn't save anyone from child sex trafficking. So if anything, the conspiracy theory makes you less safe because it alienates you from your peers, distracts you from the institutional and community building and democratic processes that actually build policies for safety. And then as for social bonds... If you're making friends with people based on misinformation that jacks up your adrenaline and that you confuse that for solidarity, it's kind of like being in a cult and those relationships will be hollow. They're going to fall apart. Uh, they exist to support the ideas and not the people who are sharing them. And what we have seen over and over again by talking with uh, our guests and with you, our listeners, is that when people get red-pilled, they move from the more resilient sociality of friendship and family to the more fragile sociality of ideology. So it's not just that the conspiracy theory fails to offer social connections, it actually replaces stronger ones with weaker ones. So these are all good things to keep in mind, I think, as we take this tour through a real parade of losers today. Uh, like, not losers in any degrading sense, but people who have actually lost uh, meaning, safety, uh, friendship, and they've replaced these with chaos and false promises. And, and I would say betrayals waiting to happen. And I would argue that some of them have been degraded along the way. 
Yeah. And, and when we started this pod, I think we knew that we were going to be digesting some toxic shit, but I don't think we could foretell or clearly understand how low this social movement could gutter dive or how tragic it would be. So Russia invaded Ukraine only 14 days ago. And, you know, some of our influencers have already found their ideological, spiritual, or monetary angle on a conflict with a thousand year backstory, uh, countless layers of complexity. But at the same time, it also has the moral obviousness of rockets slamming into apartment blocks and butterfly mines raining down on refugees and grandmothers breaking up styrofoam boards into pebbles to add to gasoline for Molotov cocktails. So on one hand, understanding the roots of this disaster is really difficult, but on the other, feeling the human tragedy is extremely easy. And what's amazing about our conspirituality people is that they fall into a... They fail, really. Uh you know, on both fronts. They either pretend to understand or they pretend that understanding is impossible. And as for the tragedy, they either pretend it's not happening or if it is, it's really happening to them. But the one thing I think we know for sure that's happening to these influencers is that they realize that the war has interrupted their attention supply. So, you know, what happens to your engagement when COVID vanishes into the backdrop and that's been your thing? Or when your trucker convoy suddenly looks super ridiculous? Or when your anti-mask or school board meeting protest reels are eclipsed by feeds of Russian rockets in Kharkiv or Russian police beating the shit out of college kids in St. Petersburg? So, you know, we've assembled a few options. Uh, you know, they, they can whine, which is, why is the attention suddenly off my thing? You know, please look at my content again. This must be a plot. I've been shadow banned by the war, which may or may not be real. Um, they can trade in their fake epidemiology credentials for some fake geopolitics expertise and let everyone know what's really going on in Ukraine. Or they can take the high road, and I'll just leave that one to uh, Teal Swan, who's who's coming right up. One thread I want to tug on before we get into this uh, is this invincibility complex that has honestly existed long before the pandemic, but it proliferates now. It's not uniquely American, uh, and it's not even necessarily purely a white European complex. But in the context of our discussion, it certainly presents that way. Uh, I noticed that Jason Shurko recently commented on one of our posts about Alex Zek, and um, he, the, this is the Academy of Divine Knowledge founder, but he's also a 9-11 truther. And that conspiracy theory carries through to today, uh, right, the mindset being it, it couldn't possibly be a group of Arab desert dwellers who pulled off such a feat. It must have been a U.S. government psyop. I mean, the Saudi hijackers were educated and learned to fly in America, so they must have been plants by the American government. And you see shades of that thinking with Russia today. No, no, there there isn't a century-long grudge between Russia and the West that's playing out as Putin ages and he realizes that his dream of reunifying the Soviet Union is slipping away. It has to be a conspiracy because everything's a conspiracy and you can't trust the media, right? We see it again. These countries and leaders couldn't possibly pull off such acts of aggression. It, they have to be in cahoots with the actual financial and military overlords ruling the world. 
It's all a ruse. It's all an illusion. And the mainstream media is the media arm of the entire complex. And you're going to hear that play out throughout the clips we have set up for today. And we saw this embodied, literally embodied throughout the pandemic. Uh, That's the anti-vax argument. There's no invisible virus, if there's even such a thing as a virus, that can destroy my perfect immune system. So I'm going to sit here on my climate-controlled studio pontificating about the global deep state funded by the American dollar that's really behind this PSYOP war and the crisis actors they've hired to play Ukrainian babushkas. Because of course they need the money, right? And I'm going to talk about my divine immune system that easily deflected the so-called virus because all those frontline and essential workers living in food deserts with little to no access to healthcare don't really exist. Or at least if they had better thoughts, they would have pulled themselves out of such a, a situation by now. I mean, all these roads lead back to ego and an utter lack of humility. In a moment, we're going to play a clip by J.P. Sears that tees this up perfectly. I don't know what's going on, but I feel qualified to talk about it. And it's certainly not what you've been told, even though I have no idea what it is. And this is their brand, being contrarian at every stage and at every turn. And the reality is, now speaking as myself, I personally don't know all of what's going on either. But I do know that when you see so many people suffering... The only appropriate response, as I sit in my climate-controlled home office recording these podcasts, is to donate the money that I can to organizations that are on the ground actually helping the people who are running for their lives right now. Not to wax poetic about the crazy shit that's going on in my head. And last thing that kind of came to me during the intro, speaking of waxing poetic, it occurred to me that watching these influencers talk about war in the ways that they are, I mean, this has been teed up by the militarized language of yoga that we've adopted for decades here in America. The warrior poses, everything being a battle, right? So it makes sense that they could so easily translate this language onto their Instagram feeds because they've been doing it for years anyway. But now that they're faced with a real life war and crisis in front of them, It's just as hollow as what they were saying in the yoga studios the whole time. It doesn't actually translate, but they don't have a language for it. So they default to what they know, no matter how ridiculous all this really is. Yeah, that that disconnection from reality and from what it really is like to be in a war zone uh, that has been sort of replaced with this abstract, metaphysicalized sort of you know, set of, of reappropriation of, of militaristic language is, is pretty, it's pretty stunning. And, and so much so that, that it's easy to buy into the idea that, um, this, the, these atrocities and this horrific, uh, reality that's unfolding is, is not really real. It's, it's an illusory kind of construct somehow. I like, uh, the premise of invincibility complex because it, it Im- immediately makes me think of, um, how much anxiety and probably sort of subterranean anxiety it takes to maintain it. And, uh, and then about how anxious defenses are in general. Um, because I think there's a cost that we pay when we fool ourselves. Um, and, you know, sometimes I like to do that basic psychoanalytic trick of turning things inside out with regard to strong claims. Um, because it, often I think that conspirituality 
is a collection of strong claims made with high anxiety uh, that covers over uh, a number of, of feelings that are unacceptable. So, you know, if people are typing into their feeds their, their dreams of having access to the wonderful healing earth, uh, I think in some way they're also expressing a kind of alienation from it. Uh, or talking about how much research you've done uh, is an unconscious cover for feeling completely lost and clueless. And then if there's an assertion of invincibility, the person might actually be talking about how fragile uh, they feel or inconsequential. And the clue is in the the shrillness, because I think when the person is typing, do your research in all caps, there's kind of a red flag uh, of defensiveness plus projection, that there's a panic of feeling clueless that you might ease by telling another person that they are ignorant. And so we're coming around to J.P. Sears here, who's always going on about freedom. And I'm not sure what he means when he says it, uh, because he never really defines it. Uh, and he actually kind of looks like he's pacing his cell in a kind of mirrored cage. Okay, so we're starting with J.P. Sears because, as Derek says, he really sets the stage for understanding the conspirituality pivot to war in terms of our, uh, you know, three betrayed needs, and he does it explicitly. Um, you know, there's two clips that we're going to play, and in the first one, he's completely transparent that he has nothing to offer in terms of data, uh, that the fundamental relationship he has with his followers is transactional, and that the only thing uh, he really has to give uh, for existential protection is a t-shirt line. <laughs> um, so before he released his faux satire news video on the Russian invasion, he actually streamed a promo for it on IG Live. In Ukraine issue, because uh, I don't know what's going on there. But I'll be looking into it soon, and after I do that, I still won't know what's going on there, but I will comment on it. And uh, no, I, I, I don't know the truth of what's what in that neck of the woods. Uh, my guess is that what is the truth isn't what the media portrays. So nothing is as it seems, folks. Yeah, I mean, you summarized it, Derek. Uh, I don't know what's going on in Ukraine. Once I try to find out, I still won't know. I'm going to comment anyway, because whatever is happening, the media is not telling you the truth about it, as if he is not also the media. Um, but what kind? I mean, it's the media of parasocial attention loops, and he's basically showing his whole, whole ass here, confessing that his content isn't actually content, um, you know, and it's, I think it's appropriate that he's in the hot tub. Happy World War III! What's going on with Ukraine and Russia? We don't know. All we know is what we're telling you is going on. And though we at the media have proven to be 100% untrustworthy on everything we report on, you can trust us on this one, right? Let's find out. First, what are us trustworthy people at the media funded by Deep State telling you is going on? Putin and Russia are bad and are unjustly invading Ukraine. We also tell you the Ukrainian people are the good guys, the underdogs, courageously taking up arms to fight the evil Russians in the streets. Is this true? I don't know. But what we do know is that it's what we report as true. I mean, this is a, the continuation of, of uh, freshman skepticism combined with uh, post-truth 
you know, propaganda techniques where you basically just keep destabilizing the possibility of, of knowing anything or that, that there is any distinction to be made between, you know, journalistic sources and, and evidentiary sources and, and uh, styles of argument, right? What arguments are based upon. Yeah, so we should just clarify too that that second clip actually is from the highly produced, it's not in the hot tub, but it's the, it's the produced sort of fake newscast. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's in his persona of, you know, kind of rumpled newscaster who's been through a hurricane or something like that. I don't know what the ripped clothes are about. And about that, the thing, the thing that's so hard with, with JP now, like the thing that so makes my skin crawl about him is that these layers of satire and irony and, and uh, derision have gotten so, it's like, I don't even like, what is, it's hard to even tease apart. Like what, what's the messaging here other than pure toxicity? It's so difficult. And, And these latest videos in his Instagram feed, you know, they sit next to things like he has a similar kind of video about the World Economic Forum, which we'll touch on a little bit later, because this is like the popular ingredient that's come back around in the conspiracy word salad. And then, as you mentioned, Matthew, uh, true to his, uh, or, or was it Derek, true to the repurposing of all world events as new material for clickbait conspiracy mongering, it's also a way to get their products and services in front of new customers. So there's a post on the exact same week as this one and the World Economic Forum one in which uh, you find out you can order a range of patriotic freedom and non-compliance themed t-shirts, sweatshirts, and even onesies for your little bundle of joy right from the Awaken JP merch store. And the link is so in the bio that you click on Linktree and you can buy right there without leaving, right? How do you send out mailers for your onesies and be so about freedom for the children and yet see the Russians bombing hospitals, children's cancer wards, and be okay with that. And I also should note that that highly produced video came, what, two or three days tops after the hot tub video? So we have, I don't know what's going on. And then he became a foreign policy expert in two days. Yeah, an anti-foreign policy expert. It's not possible to be a foreign policy expert uh, an anti-hero, really, who's not funny, who's not really doing satire. He's also just taking a taking a page from his buddy Mickey Willis, right? Like, just get on this as soon as possible and have yeah have a strong position, right? Yeah. Well, there would be. It's like there's a shooting schedule or something, mm-hmm. or an upload schedule, mm-hmm. right? There's a really interesting bit that he um, kind of uh, lets slip here. He uses a photo in the report to support his claim that there's. You know, there's a lot of uh, fake imagery floating around. Uh, And the photos of two Ukrainian civilians who are taking cover behind a wall, uh, but they're holding plywood rifles that are painted black. And, you know, his script suggests that this is evidence that all of this war footage is staged. Uh, This is a claim that's floating around as well. But then the BBC did the work to source the photo to a pre-war training exercise. uh, And this is the kicker for civilians put on uh, for civilians that was run by the Azov Battalion. Now, in case you missed it, uh, the Azov Battalion is the fascist and neo-Nazi paramilitary group that is organized in southeast Ukraine. Since the border war began in 2014, it surely has roots that go back farther than that. Uh, it's been supplied with weapons to wage actions against Russians settled in that region uh, by many NATO countries and also, uh, bizarrely, by Israel. So it's very complicated stuff, um, way above the pay grade of most of us, except for those of us who agree that that fascism is like both a common and a cruel response to stress. But JP is using a picture of a training exercise to pretend that war isn't happening. 
that predates the war and that Ukrainians are, you know, somehow acting. But then he misses the fact, of course, because he, he's not looking at anything, that the actual training exercise reveals a complexity of Ukrainian politics that would actually be in his favor to understand a little bit more on point to expose if his actual aim was was political instead of, of narcissistic. And that's another overlap that I hadn't realized until this moment with uh, with pandemic right is that let's let's use this footage that we found to show that somehow it's evidence of a of something that's being staged right that this th- things are not what they appear and and this is JP crossing deeper into Alex Jones territory you know the whole crisis actor any big current event is actually staged in this elaborate way with collusion from the mainstream media this is what got Jones in so much trouble with Sandy Hook and it inspired followers of his to go to Newtown, Connecticut and seek out parents of children who'd been killed so as to aggressively harass them. I don't know if you've ever seen the YouTube videos of this, but yeah, it's, it's deeply distressing right. that you're lying. Your kid never existed. Like no, no one was killed on that day. And this is all just about being in cahoots with the communists who want to take away our guns. So there's an escalation here into that next level conspiracist nutbaggery that wants to see all current events as you know elaborate psyops, uh, it's yeah. It's this is the pathway, right? Yeah, I think that again, this psychoanalytic flip might be useful because it's actually Jones and JP who have created a meta world of media production in which nothing is real. Totally. So I don't know how they could help but to look out onto any material event in the world and not believe that someone very much like them is bullshitting. Um, and I think that's like the terrible karma of peak cynicism because it becomes impossible to believe that anything is discoverable or that anyone is even trying to tell the truth. But, you know, I was just thinking that, that JP's obvious oversight, like he just misses this photo where it comes from. Of course, he doesn't know. He doesn't care. Uh, but it counts against the rumors circulating on the left that JP is a paid Russian shill because if he was, uh, the video would hit a lot harder uh, because he could make fun of the Western accounts of brave Ukrainian Nazis and so on. He could call Biden a pride and Biden pro-Nazi or, or whatever. So JP's world isn't about political values or history. Um, so that's not what he does. It's about the freedom to sell t-shirts in Austin. Uh, it's about the freedom to believe that, that nothing really matters. That's what makes America great. Yeah. And I just want to say, you, you, you also know you've got your platinum level celeb conspiracy theorist membership card when people start suggesting you're a plant or a double agent. Right. That you're working for the CIA or, or that you're being funded by foreign governments. And, you know, he's lucky he's just getting it from the left right now. Wait until the people around him start suggesting that. So, you know, good job, JP. You know, because I've brought it up, I, I just want to um, say on the topic of the Azov battalion that we've got to remember that conspiracy theories don't emerge and they certainly don't last unless they seize upon some thread of truth that they can like weave into a kind of blindfold. And so the well-documented existence of, of Azov and that some portion of Ukrainians have held right-wing sympathies going back like to the beginning of nation states, uh, it gives some weight to Putin's propaganda claim to be denazifying Ukraine. So he's not entirely wrong. And uh, secondly, he's also manipulating things really cynically. Um, but so far, what we've seen from conspiritualists is that the denazification is translated or transposed into Putin is ridding Ukraine of bioweapons plants and or child trafficking rings. But just to be clear, you know, Ukraine has an immensely complicated history, uh, thousand years as the threshold plains between Russia and Western Europe. 
constantly contested by imperial powers and a succession of competing nativist groups that are attempting to hold land and develop identity. Uh, It's been a center of Jewish life and a site of terrible pogroms, uh, exploited and then starved by Stalin's collectivization, and then rolled over by German and Russian tanks during the 20th century, uh, compromised by collaborations with both. And in light of this, like, of course, Ukraine, like most of Eastern and even Western Europe, is going to have a serious problem with fascist and xenophobic ideals of territorial protection. Um, and so currently, it's an organizing principle of this paramilitary resistance to Russian settlers in the Southeast. But that's about as much as we can say without, like, really serious scholarship. Um, so in composition and aims, uh, the relationship to 20th century Nazism amongst the Azov is incredibly complex, as is the question of who supports them and why. But, you know, I think suffice it to say, when Putin lists denazification of Ukraine as a rationale, uh, he's generating top shelf propaganda, and he's pulling on something primal but vague in the collective unconscious, and that's just red meat for conspiracy theorists. So is it complicated? Of course it is. Uh, Have the dozens of pictures shown up online of Ukrainian soldiers wearing black sun patches? Yes, there have been. Uh, Is there video circulating that shows Ukrainian women soldiers talking about going to battle after uh, protecting their genetic fund of their babies by, by shipping them off to safety? Yes. Uh, is that creepy? Uh, yeah. Uh, but does it give permission for people to make shit up, to do whataboutisms, or to broadcast easy answers? No, not at all. Yeah, and the idea that that Putin is this uh, anti-fascist <laughs> force, right? Incredible. <laughs> who's going to save anyone from the Nazis is is nuts. And 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 you know, in a, in a very uh, there's a very real way that Putin is is the ultimate troll. Like there's he's he's just nothing. Nothing that comes out of his mouth is really there, there's no sincere ideology there. But there's more here too. And I want to just tease my bonus episode for this Monday. By mentioning Alexander Dugan, who we've talked about a little bit here with regard to Benjamin Teitelbaum's book, War for Eternity, he's the extremely prolific Russian philosopher often referred to as a special advisor to Putin, sometimes even as Putin's brain. Uh, former Trump mastermind Steve Bannon is also very taken with Dugan's work. And as a reminder, this guy is a proponent of something called traditionalism with a capital T, which is an arcane and esoteric perennialist spirituality that appropriates the Hindu idea of cyclical cosmic time. Traditionalists see the world as currently in a dark age, ruled by slave mentality, which can be jump-started into a new golden age by sowing chaos and breaking down existing structures. And that golden age that will arise as a result will see a return to old world hierarchical theocratic authoritarianism for Dugin, who has the ear of Putin on all of this, this means a resurrecting of the Russian Empire. So it's not just the Soviet Union, it's going further back. It's not about communism, it's about empire via expansion into what Dugin refers to as the Eurasian civilization that will run from Dublin to Vladivostok. Ukraine is just the first step in this plan, which Dugin has explicitly laid out in his book, The Foundations of Geopolitics. But it's a hugely symbolic first step in that Ukraine is historically often seen as the birthplace of Russia. So these people see no distinction between the two countries. They see all of that as illusory. And the project is really to reclaim the supposedly estranged peoples and territories of the Russian Empire as necessary in terms of how to remake the world. Now, that slave mentality that I mentioned of our dark age, well, it's exemplified by liberalism 
modernity, secularism, science, and what he refers to as the, and I'm quoting here, totalitarian imposition of the West on other cultures of what exactly? Well, the idea of universal human rights and the freedom of the individual. Now, in a flourish that I know you'll appreciate, Matthew, which of course, it's a totally dishonest flourish. He says that what postmodernism has to teach the West is that all moral values are culturally relative. And so therefore, it's oppressive to insist that human rights and individual freedoms should be universal. For Dugin, the collective soul of specific civilizations evolves differing and equally valid moral values based on their unique environment and history. So who then are we in the intolerant West to say that other societies shouldn't have alternate systems of power? And the particular interview I'm referring to here, he goes on to say, we have our own special Russian truth. Postmodernism teaches us that truth is merely a question of belief. Okay, I mean, is is he being ironic? Because, of course, like postmodern critiques of power will also teach that gender is interpretive and performative. I'm sure he's not into that. Uh, no, in fact, <laughs> it'll say that it'll say that Russia is a social construct, and like Russian truth is some sort of transcendent signifier that he's giving all meaning to. Yeah, right. So he wants to have it both ways. He wants to he wants to argue from from a you know a faux postmodern position that that more moral values are relative and there should be a respect for differing cultures and, and how they've evolved their moral points of view. Um, but at the same time, he wants to say that there is a an essence that exists deep in the soul of the Russian people that has to do with a civilizational kind of superiority, right? So it's, it's, it's all absolutely bonkers. He's constantly contradicting himself. He believes that the West is, he, he makes appeals to the idea of Western imperialism as this terrible uh, force for evil in the world and that you should respect sovereign nations. And yet he wants to to go on this expansionist kind of romp across Europe and Asia with, with Putin. In terms of this denazification posture, uh, the, the truth is that, you know, his ideological influence and Putin's financial support weaves its tentacles throughout Europe by supporting and encouraging mostly far right, but you know, from time to time, a far left populist organization, if, if he feels that that will help him to meet his aims. And, you know, he, there, there is also a direct, uh, appeal to destabilizing America that he makes in the in that geopolitical foundations of geopolitics book, which, you know, we see in terms of the interference in American elections and using social media propaganda, like there is there's actually a much bigger thing happening behind the scenes that that sounds conspiratorial. And maybe it is. Right. Well, (laughs) I can just say that having a couple watched a couple of clips of him being interviewed by like seemingly hypnotized young women. Um, like Lauren Southern, right? Oh, was that the one? <laughs> Lauren Southern did an interview with him when she visited Russia. It's it's something to behold. What, was she with a translator? Is that why I think there was two people in the room? It was it was her and another like alt-right trad wife kind of oh, like, right. clueless American young woman. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just not going to be surprised if I click on a link next year and read some harrowing investigative report on Dugan's like Pasolini style inner cult circle where he's like farming babies or something like that in a Russian Orthodox <laughs> convent. But um, I do want to point out that uh, there's something about this vibe that relates to and fills out something crucial for our landscape, uh, which is the grandiosity of everything, the grandiosity of the so-called civilizational conflict. Because one thing that our influencers are really keen on is scope. The larger the thing is, the better. The more cosmic, the better. So a public health vaccination drive is not 
interesting as uh, it's not as interesting as a global transhumanism agenda uh, or fairly obscure legal theory about structural racism is just not as interesting as the vision of a great plague of cultural Marxism. But you know, whatever we do or don't understand about the war in Ukraine, we know that its scope is vast and it, it carries these ancient East versus West and traditional versus liberal overtones, uh, as well as, you know, good versus evil, even though we can't always tell which is which. And, you know, and as we've pointed out, the liability for conspiritualists in the shadow of a vast historical event is that their brand becomes invisible. Because, you know, the smoothies start looking a little bit sad. Uh, they're not gonna, they're not gonna help you feel better, uh, no matter how many, how many scoops of greens you put in. Um, so they have to rise to the occasion and fight back. And I believe there's something irresistible about a conflict that has this industrial level, like Jungian, Manichaean quality, uh, a conflict that harkens back to a time in which it felt like history was still being made on the earth and not just on screens, uh, the war of the greatest generation. So I think that all these guys we're looking at today are going to continue to be drawn like moths to the flame of this war. Uh, they're going to seek out its heat. Uh, and I think through it, they're going to feel like they're real, uh, that they're touching meaning. And I don't think any of us can look at the images coming out of that chaos and not have some cultural or intergenerational memory of, of World War II, uh, which is a purportedly uh, simpler time in which good and evil seemed so clearly demarcated. You mentioned a few minutes ago, Julian, about J.P. Sears and the confusion of what he's posting as his content now. And looking at Teitelbaum again, the confusion is the point, right? That's where he clearly shows how the Bannon influence Trump presidency began just by throwing everything at the left and at everyone just to can keep the news cycle focused on them. There didn't have to be any reason or logic behind it. And I would say J.P. Sears has moved very much into this Russell Brand territory in terms of the content he's producing. And I, I would also say that um, the, the most number of our listeners, uh, the influencer they've requested the most that we cover is Russell Brand. And I, I want to, and part of the challenge is really just the sheer amount of content he's putting out that doesn't make sense and is just the outrage of the day. And it also made me realize, even just working out through this episode, because at first it is destabilizing, you see these yogis and these wellness people come out and say, Putin this or that, and and knowing any amount of world history, it's like, how do you even land on that? And then you realize, you know, I think of the JP Sears photograph with Trump and being like, I was wrong. And so anyone who can buy into Trump's shtick, obviously the, the, you know, going to Putin, it's not a stretch. And that's just like the, the content just has to be mad and confusing and that seems to be the bar of entry at this point. It just needs to be contrarian at every level. I believe the uh, the quote from Steve Bannon that, that's been repeated often is, flood the zone with shit. I forget if it's shit or bullshit, but it's essentially just keep flooding. P people will be confused if you just do this, and then we can tell them whatever we want down the line. And the thing about Russell Brand, too, is that I, I wanted to potentially include him this time, and last time I was sort of looking at some of his stuff, and it's 
what's weird is that lately, you know, he's continuing to pump out all that content, as you correctly say. Um, but in his last two videos, he's largely reading from Jacobin uh, articles on whatever topic. So he's tr he's trying to come at it from sort of the socialist left to do this like deconstruction of of, of some sort of imperialism, Western imperialism, and and capital uh, interests, and then weave that into whatever like vague conspiracy uh, accusations he's forming. You know, like oh yeah, you can trust the elites, right? I want to just clarify though that we're not saying that somehow um, these guys are are sitting in the back of a restaurant with Steve Bannon and, and making some sort of plan no. to flood the zone with shit. It's just the, the quality of low-grade media influencer content production is sort of perfectly matched to the age. You know, it doesn't... Mm -hmm. It's the zeitgeist. It's, yeah, JP doesn't have to be connected to anybody to actually be a, a functional kind of... Part of of flooding the zone with shit that's actually you know that's actually intentional in in some other quarter. He doesn't have to have any sort of belief structure or real as sort of real real interest or any kind of commitment to anything. I have a hard time like like fully organizing my thoughts and putting my finger on this, but I think about it periodically, uh, which is which is that one of the things that makes Trump such a significant and dangerous figure in our time is that he crossed all of these lines again and again and again about con conventions that have to do with both with being a president, with being a candidate, um, with with how you deal with the media, with with the kinds of claims that you make publicly. He he has set the tone for people like JP to to be flooding the zone in the way that they are. So yeah, I see it as very much a zeitgeist thing. So one hallmark of conspiracism is the blending of completely uninformed oversimplifications, as we've been saying, and paranoid generalizations with remarkably complex extrapolations that are rattled off like a bingo card mix and match, like choose your own adventure, big reveal. And I'm saying this because this next clip that we have is a perfect example. This guy gives it to us right before his protein shake. It's very, very simple. And I'm going to explain it to you simply before I run into the store, get my protein shake and go to the gym. Russia stands against the progression of the new world order. Russia is the only country that does not have a centralized bank that is run by the Rothschild Luciferian family. Russia does not play with the Freemason society. The president of Russia, President Putin, is not a Freemason. The globalist cabal that is run by Charles Schwab, the Rothschild family, the Rockefeller family, the Chase family, the Russell family, cannot be controlled and therefore we are always at war with the big bear Russia. There's a term in my homeland of New Jersey that we use fondly called douchebag. And in <laughs> clipping all of these pieces for this week's, this was, the, he wins that term in his car, <laughs> drinking some fucking tea concoction, <laughs> spouting off. I, I was so disoriented by this clip when, um, uh, shout out to Lisa Doubles for sending it over to me. And it was, it was making its rounds on the uh, astral channelers networks, apparently oh on social God. media as, as indicative of truth. Yeah. And it's like, he thinks the complete absence of evidence for any of these outrageous claims can somehow be canceled out by just getting louder and faster and more emphatic in his cadence as he goes on. This is from a Facebook page of something called the Kitchen Soup 
News Network. And they claim on that page to be a decentralized group of citizen journalists who love their country, their president, and are working to combat the suppression of news by big tech and big media. Thank God. This is one from uh, Northern Ireland. Uh, it's similarly honest uh, to JP in, in a way, right? About not really understanding specifics. Uh, but here's what she knows for sure. I don't claim to know everything that's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now. I don't think anybody can. Having lived in Northern Ireland, you are aware that different communities have a different perspective and the truth is somewhere along that spectrum. But what I can tell you is that the job of mainstream media is to push a narrative, not to provide people with the truth. So these, if you actually believe that these politicians and billionaires who seem to be um, coming out in lockstep with the same um, support of Ukraine, if you think that they genuinely have the interests of um, the civilians in Ukraine at heart, well, I have a chocolate teapot and some beachfront property in Arizona <laughs> to sell you. I've never heard the chocolate teapot thing before. That's great. What's with all the food references? We got protein shakes. Like the, <laughs> the level of privilege also coming from these assholes of just being like, I'm on my way to brunch and I'm just going to say this right now. Fuck off. Yeah, I think she was joking about the chocolate teapot because it melts, right? <laughs> yeah. I have a chocolate teapot to sell you. Yeah, and some right. beachfront property in Arizona, which is an interesting reference for a Northern Irish person. But that's also the image. It still goes back to this fucking food fetish that exists yeah. in, in it's trivializing the supplements yeah everything exactly it struck me listening to that um i guess i've heard this in other ones but it's just becoming clear now is that what what is the need for the actual information landscape of ukraine to be instantly understandable or clear in the midst of an incredibly chaotic conflict like my my general disposition is wow, mm -hmm. it's going to be really hard to understand what's going on. Like, that's my immediate thought. But where does that, what do you think is going on for the person who says um, the mainstream media is telling you something specific when it's clear that everybody's struggling to figure it out? It's only really the conspiracy theorists who are saying sort of certain, making strong claims about anything. And that's maybe that's that's all that they're listening to. But then they're confusing that with listening to CNN, where you know from hour by hour, uh, the reports on the mm -hmm. ground are changing, mm -hmm. and and you're you're cl it's clear that you're watching the correspondents sort of learn what's happening in the midst of the fog of war. So I don't really understand what that impatience is. Where does that come from? Bill Moyers used to say that you know he loved the job of being a journalist because you get to learn on the job. And then he was educating himself with all his interviews. He would do the prep work, but he was also learning in real time. And that is what we are seeing happening all of the time in these situations. And I, just imagine any of these influencers for a day actually being war correspondents, right? There was that one who went to, to Kiev to actually show that it was all an illusion. And then he got <laughs> trapped by gunpoint and shit his pants, right? And then started saying like, oh, wow, okay, this is actually happening. And he went there to, to, to prove it was a PSYOP. And he had to run out of the country where he, feel as, he feels like he was almost killed. And that any of these people were covering, that would be their situation if they went there. But because of the distance, um, that, that allows for it. But to your point, Matthew, I, 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 I have to default to 
just going back to what you said in the intro in your in your intro about it being staying relevant in the attention economy right we we talk a lot about there there are issues that we discuss that like if Matthew's going to cover something there are certain things that I don't feel qualified to talk about so I don't I let Matthew handle it same with Julian like that's I think part of the power of this trio in that we kind of be like okay this is your lane we'll ask you questions and we do that with our guests but for the the attention economy influencer it's all on them all the time. So they have to feel like they're actually saying something that matters at all times on anything that's in the news to stay relevant. It's horrible, horrible, horribly anxiety provoking. Like I can't, it's so awful to be in that situation. It is. And I, I also think it's, uh, it sort of goes with the territory, right? That if you, if you are the kind of person, if you have the kind of temperament where you're going to get sucked into a totalizing conspiracy theory about everything that's going on in the world, in the world, fitting into this kind of very oversimplified Manichaean battle between good and evil that the, you know, the, the wool's been pulled over everyone else's eyes, but you've woken up to it. You're then going to see everything through that lens and constantly in order to reassure yourself that this elaborate conspiracy worldview that you've bought into is the truth. You're constantly going to try and weave everything into that as being confirming right right yeah and so with as as you say derek with this uh this guy who's actually an irish guy it was reported in the in the, the irish branch of the independent and he traveled to kiev and and was trying to prove like this is uh this is not real and so he broke military curfew because his followers were like we don't believe that you're really there right <laughs> so he goes out on the street breaking military curfew and starts asking passers-by what do you think of the western media's fear-mongering this is all bullshit right and he ends up having like ukrainian officials holding him at gunpoint saying who the fuck are you and what are you doing here and then like basically having to escape the country <laughs> you know <laughs> really did shit himself i should have i should have read your notes ahead of time i didn't even realize you were going to discuss no. it <laughs> Yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Uh, you know, and, and so everything gets woven into this. You know, there's a digital ID piece that becomes part of this. And it, that goes back to some of the stuff we've covered before with the, the microchips and the vaccines. And and I just have to say this week for the first time, I really, some a light went off in my head and I was like, wow, this is, this is just like the mid eighties when uh, Iron Maiden released that album, The Number of the Beast. And everyone, and you know, I went to a school that was, it was an Anglican church school. And so people were like, you know, impressed by ideas of the devil and, and 666 and how we're all going to have these barcodes and we won't be able to buy anything unless we have a barcode imprinted on our forehead and our wrist. And it's, just, it's the same kind of ongoing, you know, paranoia about how this stuff all works. Uh, speaking of fever dream prophecies, this lady uh, quite literally just created content based on an actual dream that she claims to have had that she felt would, you know, give her followers some clarity. I had a dream a couple of days ago. I shared this on my community section on YouTube when you're interested in to read this. And I saw Mr. P, the man from Russia. And I saw Mr. T, the man from the USA. You know which guy. The code. I saw them together in a dream. And I heard the number 2024 the year 2024, and they had a handshake, Mr. P and T. They were laughing in the stream. I had to laugh too, it was a lucid dream, and they were on a US TV show. It was very weird, and they played golf. 
they played golf, Mr. P and Mr. T. They played golf. So, and then um, P spoke English. And as I said, it was a lucid dream. I didn't understand every word. He said things like official. It looks like this, but actually everything is done. This was Mr. P. Mr. T was laughing. The draconian agenda, this lapse in the Ukraine, the tunnels, the dumps. Mm-mm-mm-mm. You know, the, the dreamer in this case is a self-described starseed and psychic medium named Akura. And of course, she sells high-priced light codes and 5D DNA activators through her link tree, as well as clearing sessions and Akashic record readings. And I did notice that you know one of these sessions can run you around $150 for 20 minutes. Another is $250 for an hour. And what are they? They're MP3 recordings that she makes for you based on a photo that you've sent her after you've booked her services. But you know what, guys? This is really reasonably priced, considering that she claims to release all ancestral issues all cords that you carry with you from the past, shadow parasites, inner child implants, and negative entities from all dimensions. If only she could do a session with Putin and, and Dugan, she could help them overcome their ancestral issues, right? Oh, fuck Patreon. We have a new revenue stream here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think what I love about Akura is the is the uh, plausible innocence mm. of her starseed vibe. Like she makes herself look like this very large bald baby. Uh, and the tone is naive uh, and like children's story time. Uh, and actually, you know, some of the content made me want to learn more about the crossover between the disclosure movement and child trafficking panic and uh, satanic ritual abuse, because it really seems like this would be almost like therapeutic for that set, this kind of uh, aesthetic. They're also very Teal Swan and Kaya. Um, you know, these are visionaries who are wrapped in light. Uh, they have transcendent secrets, but also morbid fantasies. And in this case, Akura seems to be longing for two big daddies, right? Like, you know, regular alien orphan babies would love one big daddy, but but that's scarcity consciousness. Uh, you can dream about Trump and Putin taking care of you, uh, rubbing your bald little head, singing singing the ancient authoritarian lullabies. When they get back from playing golf, of course. Yeah, we, we, we love you, Akura. That's great. Speaking of starseeds, uh, here's the progenitrix, Steel, Teal Swan, uh, with a very important but also secret message. Right now you're probably very focused on this war between Russia and Ukraine. You're probably watching the news. You're probably donating to relief organizations. Um, you're probably expressing your disapproval of this whole thing. But I'm here to tell you today that the most important thing that you could possibly do relative to this war that's going on is to get down to the root of it. And that root of this war that is occurring is not actually a root that exists out there in those countries. It's a root that exists within all people. The root of any war is the perception of separation. You can only do a violent act against somebody else or go against their best interests if you perceive yourself to be separate from them. Otherwise, any action you took against something you are perceived to be injuring yourself as well. So you can only do this within a system if you perceive yourself to be separate from that system. Therefore, the biggest issue that we're facing today as humans is our perception of separation. I think, like, what's the difference between that content and Charles Eisenstein's content, actually? I just, I just realized. Mm-hmm. Not much. 
Not much. He just maybe has better vocabulary. She actually sounded to me right there like Zach Bush on Quaaludes. Right. Like a slowed down, bored. Well, the boredom is coming through. And I think this is the real tragedy of the recycle kind of cycle is that you, you, you have one shtick. Uh, this is, she's not going to say anything different uh, about Ukraine than she said about COVID. So what are you left with when you're in this position, except the, the sort of drudgery of rehashing and retreading over and over again, the same lessons? It's really it, like I can feel the boredom in this one. Yeah, I'm planning on doing a book review of the new Tony Robbins book, which is 700 pages. So I might get it done in two or three years time. But it, it reminds, like, at least he always comes with energy at the very least, right? Say what you will. He's a charlatan. He's a quack, all those things. But I've never seen a video where he wasn't at least turned up. Right. And, and this one, it's just, even if you watch the video, she's just sitting there like, oh, here we go again. And I also find it ironic or not that she talks shit about donating to relief organizations for people who are fleeing their country. And yet the rest of the video is hidden behind her paywall. <laughs> so she's saying, don't pay this. But hey, if you want the rest of what I'm saying right now, for some reason, pay me. Yeah, I also feel like there's a there's a quality in her delivery that it's it's the dismissive uh ambivalent parent right that's part of part of the number she's doing on her followers this is my psychoanalysis part of the number she's doing on her followers is being the ambivalent dismissive parent who's like oh yeah you have feelings well you need to kind of you need to grow up and you need to do what i tell you to do or else i'm going to smack you again and you know if you think that you know what's really going on well that's just kind of lame and stupid and i'll tell you what's really up right well isn't there sort of peak avoidance dismissiveness in her whole shtick around suicide as well mm-hmm. is like Absolutely. well you, you can you can yeah. you know you can you can go if you want it's not going to make it's any difference very callous right. there's a real it's, callousness it's extreme, yeah it's 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 callousness wrapped up in like a in like lots of shawls well, that's interesting you said that about suicide because I, when you listen to her, she said you can only go to war if you're separate from the other person, which then begs the question, what is suicide? Because if are you arguing that there's a separation from yourself? Uh, you know, I, I'm not asking for this to make sense, but just thinking about what she's saying and how it actually plays out. Well, I think that's part of the ideology is that you can't is yeah. that you can't actually you, you, you it won't make a difference if you if you die. It won't make a difference. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, and, and right. I, I think often like with, with the suicide stuff that, that people have really uh, criticized her for, the attitude is sort of like, well, that's fine because you know, you'll just you'll come back again and you'll work out your issues. And if that's if that's what you need to do, like that's a legitimate choice. I don't give a fuck, right? That's her whole vibe is just like, eh. There's, there's no, there's no humanity. There's no empathy. And yet the whole thing is about healing from your deep emotional traumas. It's it's really Really dangerous. Well, if if we're in the market for something a little uh, less cosmic and and uh, teal swanish, uh, here's someone who's going to tell us what's really going on. Hello, everyone. I would like to give you a thorough understanding of the Russia. Ukraine situation and what's really going on. Despite what the mainstream media says, as they always spin their false narratives controlled by the elite, what's really happening in Ukraine is something that will ultimately result in whether humanity stays free or humanity becomes enslaved to the one world government. Okay, so something to understand is that the Biden family has been negotiating billions of dollars with the 
with the Ukrainian government and the development of biological weapons of mass destruction. And these facilities, which make the Wuhan lab look like candy, are located in all the major cities within the Ukrainian country. So what's happening right now is that Russia, Putin, who is an Earth Alliance white hat, just like Trump was, is actually taking the final initiative in order to put an end to this mass, um, you know, psychopathic agenda that the cabal has been trying to implement. Because these biological weapons, once they're fully developed, they are to destroy billions of people, one third of the world population. Ah, so specific. And and the Wuhan lab is like candy. We're back to the to the food <laughs> bizarre, like trivial <laughs> food metaphors, right? <laughs> He's he he reminds me of an influencer in training. Like he's got his Fox News talking points in the beginning, and then he's kind of dabbling in the conspirituality space, and he's trying to weave it together. But nothing is nothing is you know you're not getting anything new or at least an angle. He's he's apparently a writer, and he has a small following, but it's growing, and he's trying to make his mark. And you can see him just starting to like kind of weave together these narratives and and to tell you the real story. It's it's you know in two or three years time you might actually have a voice. Yeah. And I wonder if that voice is going to develop in coordination with uh, a kind of, I don't know, more of a presentation of maturity because, because what strikes me is that he's, it really seems like he's about 11 years old uh, and talking to himself about this sort of internal world that he is fantasizing about. I mean, a lot of this stuff has that kind of quality to it, right? The quality of, of children making believe. Uh, and I mean, you know, I, I'm not going to out my own kids here, but like <laughs> to listen to, to listen to kids of a certain age, yeah. uh, go into, go into totally. deep, imagine go into deep imaginative play about, what they are fascinated about, uh, you know, they reveal material that you know child psychologists will use to try to try to understand uh, what the inner concerns are. And I don't know. There's something so earnest, and um, he's playing the role. He's playing the role, and and that's what kids do, right? You see what you see with with kids is like they'll they'll adopt the role and they'll say some of the words but then there's some stuff that they don't they don't have vocabulary for so they maybe just make up words or they maybe say yes, sentences yeah. the sentences don't actually make sense but they're they're staying in character they're staying in character yeah i mean that's a good way of putting it there's but and, and there's an earnestness to it too and i think his ability to stick with it derek because that's what you're talking about will probably depend on how he sustains that feeling of earnestness right like do i really really believe in this this world that I have uh, meticulously constructed uh, in in my room. I don't know a lot about him, but his name is Ishmael Perez, and I just want to say he's not the only one connecting these discontinuous dots. The the trucker convoy, which made its last pit stop in Maryland last Friday, on their way to supposedly block the Beltway in D.C. on Saturday, which didn't happen as a protest against already lifted quarantine and vaccine mandates, uh, is is also doing that. Our, our guest from a couple of weeks back, uh, extremism researcher Sarah Aniano, told NBC News that the convoy telegram channels were filled with claims that Russia's invasion is actually cover for a military operation backed by, of course, former President Trump in Ukraine. And this Q-adjacent conspiracy alleges that Trump and Putin are working together in secret to stop bioweapons from being made in Ukraine 
Uh, but the interesting twist here is they're being made by Anthony Fauci. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, of course. <laughs> Some of hey, look, more, if you have if you have a puzzle piece, you f- you fit it in there, right? Yes, got to do it. Uh, some of the more extreme QAnon adherents in the convoy chats are predicting military tribunals oh, in Ukraine yeah. now, with the storm finally being heralded by their arrival at the capital. So there's like this mirroring. What's happening in Ukraine is going to be similar to when the storm comes here, and now finally the prophecy is going to come true. But look, guys, it's not all doom and gloom. Uh, one Facebook poster that we came across that you did, Matthew, wanted to make a, a meaningful philanthropic contribution to the crisis by taking the opportunity to promote uh, veganism. So, Derek, I wanted to ask you, as, as a past uh, passionate vegan, I thought maybe you could do this one justice. Looking for an eco-friendly way to give to Ukraine? I would like to ensure that no more than 50% of the donation I give goes towards munitions. Yes, I know that war is necessary, but it should not be the main focus. The other main component of this must be a vegan or vegetarian-centric option for feeding the people. Like most of the world, Ukrainians eat too much meat. And this is a great chance to feed them with organic produce and get them used to being more healthy overall. (laughs) That's not ableist at all. Defeating Russia is pointless if we do not encourage them to scale back meat consumption at the same time. Thanks in advance. 50% munitions, 50%... uh, quinoa. I, <laughs> I just want to say here that just the idea that while while they're getting like absolutely bombed into smithereens and terrible, terrible things are happening and their cortisol levels are probably flew through the roof, at least they'll have, you know, like like their their uh their cholesterol will be down and they'll they'll have, you know, all of the things that they need from their vegan diet to be healthy. Christ. So I got I got this off of uh, Twitter from somebody who screen capped it from Facebook and they redacted the name and I'm kind of happy about that because it's a small post. Uh, there was really low engagement. Um, but I'm sure it's not an uncommon set of impulses. And, you know, like it's it's really dumb. It's self-centered. Uh, but I can also imagine having dashed off uh, thoughtless comments on my Facebook uh, page in my time. I can imagine that a couple of per- pieces of this person's brain that are freaked out by multiple things at the same time, like war, climate change, factory farming, cruelty to animals, they all fired and they, and they melted together at the same time. And they came out as this as this like weird comment fart aspiration. Uh, so anyway, it's like I, it's totally easy to dunk on. Um, but also like it gives me the sense that that people are trying to process in this very disorganized way a lot of different crushing anxieties and they're doing it in really impotent ways that have nothing to do with in real life help or relevance. Uh, and then we have this technology uh, that allows us to, to do this within an age that's given us like infinite problems. Uh, and now we can like just sort of empty out our political activism onto these screens. Anyway, I kind of feel for this, this poor person because all they want is world peace through veganism. Um, you know, it's a simple solution and who doesn't want that. And then the war is happening. So they should say something about that too. Uh, but they want to be engaged. So they shouldn't all take the money away from the munitions because some of the fighting is necessary, but, but veganism, I I don't know. It's just, it's just really kind of, uh, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's just pathetic. 
and and kind of sweet. You pointed out last week about the Roganomics issue about my tweets and about trying to make complex arguments on social media, which is not built for that. And I'll also say that if you are a poster or a commenter, if you have your own cause, that's awesome. And there are channels and avenues for that. There are groups, there are ways to do it. But when people bring their other causes into situations that don't warrant it, it's it's so infuriating. Uh, you know, I, 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 I know I'm screaming into the void here, but I do wish there were some rules of engagement for social media in general. But to, to even like these people need water and food. They don't need a lecture about veganism. Uh, it's, it's, so it's, it's, it, it's just a constant source of frustration when people bring in their own shit into other topics that don't warrant it whatsoever. They don't need a lecture about veganism, but it would be helpful if they recognize that they're not separate from the Russians who are bombing them right now. Right. Because then there would be no war, Julian. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so meanwhile, uh, back at home, 91-year-old televangelist Pat Robertson came out of retirement uh, to get back in front of his 700 Club cameras to explain that actually Putin is being compelled by God to invade Ukraine on the way towards moving against Israel, is how he put it, so as to bring about, you guessed it, that multi-orgasmic yet spiritually pure wet dream with Jesus prophecy, Armageddon. Never mind that his 1982, 2006, 2007, and 2020 end of the world prophecies all failed. Read your Bible, he told viewers, because it is coming to pass. Now, of course, this disaster of spiritualizing comes to you from the Christian Broadcasting Network, where you can sign up, I found on the website, to get a free DVD on how to build a strong immune system. Oh, wow. Right. <laughs> yep, yep. We're doing that too, right. Okay. You can order uh, books by Pat and other authors there. And uh, uh, this was fascinating. I've never seen this before. In a few easy steps, you can sign up for planned giving and sign over your stocks, your bonds, your IRA accounts, and make bequests using their handy free estate planner. Because remember, this is their a part of their mission statement, CBN, Christian Broadcasting Network, is a global nonprofit 501c3 charitable ministry preparing the nations of the world for the second coming of Jesus of Jesus Christ excuse me through media prayer partnering and humanitarian aid everyone knows that Jesus is into crypto now this is ridiculous <laughs> of course he is now, on, on, on a related note here, the founder of Quilliam, which uh, you may know as the now defunct and controversial anti-extremism organization in the UK, this was founded by uh, Majid Nawaz, who's become just like the super spreader of conspiracy theories during the pandemic. He went this week on far-right troll Tim Pool's show to expose how Facebook has this confusing and, and inconsistent you know, censorship policy that allows praise of the Ukrainian Azov Brigade, who have Nazi sympathies, as you said earlier, Matthew, as long as those uh, praises for Azov are being promoted in the fight against Russia. And he was also on the Joe Rogan experience two weeks ago, and clips of him ranting there about the World Economic Forum seem to have played a role in reigniting conspiracy sphere chatter about the Great Reset. I just wanted to say something about this here because people ask us to address it all the time. 
Uh, and this theme comes around on the conspiracy theory Lazy Susan every few months. So yes, let's add in the World Economic Forum now because they did in fact use the Great Reset as the name for their June 2020 conference. And that conference focused on discussing how to rebuild after the pandemic through a shared vision of environmental, economic, and social sustainability and, and fairness principles. Of course, there are valid critiques um, from, from those who see this as a way for the super wealthy to get even wealthier while appearing to be philanthropic. But the conspiracist interpretation is that the pandemic itself was all part of the plan and the Great Reset is actually a plot by elites to enact global authoritarian rule. So thanks, Majid, for reawakening that beast. Now, of course, Ukraine's President Zelensky is part of the World Economic Forum. So that's fishy, as Danny Zek posted. We had to do some deep research here to find out that Danny Zek is actually the new handle of Alex Zek after being deplatformed by, you know, the censorious tyranny of Instagram and Facebook. He's the co-founder of The Event, which brought together a who's who of our conspiritualist pantheon, uh, including now estranged, inspiring power couple Sayer G and Kelly Brogan, ruggedly poetic bullshit artist Zach Bush, homeopath proponent of the all pandemics are caused by a newfangled electrical gadget theory, Tom Cohen, and our very favorite anti-vax recruiter to the cult of awakened aliens, <laughs> uh, one Charlie Eisenstein. And that uh, event was just in time for the winter solstice. They just can't stop sucking the teeth. They can't get off of it. Like Bauhaus <laughs> wife is doing it now. You know, be scared of big tech. We don't need these platforms. They get to platform, they spin up 10 other accounts. They, they can't get <laughs> totally, enough of it, totally. even though they get kicked off. And then the first thing they do is run back because they realize that parlor isn't going to give them the same level of engagement. Yeah. So yeah, Danny's post says, I'm not, this is, gets subtle though, right? I'm not Team Zelensky. This goes one step beyond just because I've highlighted my opinion on the mischaracterization of Putin as an anti-globalist freedom fighter. Zelensky is also a member of the WEF and is simply doing his part to help usher in the Great Reset. Quote, it's a big club and you ain't in it, unquote. And then there's a, a post underneath. Is this text from him as well? Yes. Yeah, so that so that's like a like a sort of a screenshot, and then the the uh, you know the caption underneath it. He 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 quotes his tweet and then talks about his tweet. Uh-huh. That's right. what this is. Okay. Yeah. All gotcha. right. So he says one doesn't imply the other. Don't get it twisted. Let me reiterate one more time. In my personal opinion, there are no political saviors. There are no white hats subverting the globalist elite to save us. That sounds equally awesome, Hollywood esque, and delusional. In my opinion, look, I hope I'm wrong, but. As it turned out with Trump and the whole Q psyop, which I continually called out the entire time, <laughs> I and many others were right. This reeks of trusting the plan again. Once so bitten. now, so he's so now uh, he's he's a conspiracy theorist who has rejected uh, his his. What's going on here? Well, well, he's 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 more uh, he's more skeptical than they are because they are naive right. in, in trusting the plan of of QAnon and Trump, right? Okay, so they control the narratives. He says, even in many cases, the most popular alternative narratives. So who is who is they? This is all about the WEF. I guess, yeah, the the cabal, dude. Okay, so there's still a cabal. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. Anyway, he says it's Marxism 101. They want you to buy into the idea that you should outsource your power and support to one of these WEF, Agenda 2030, so on and so forth, um, so that you're not standing in your own. I'm assuming there's a, there's a word missing in your own power. Yeah, yeah. 
outsource your power so you're not standing in your own. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay. Uh, they also keep us trapped in this constant conflict, always finding ways to divide the people against each other while they continue to exploit, sicken, and ma- take more control. I don't buy any of it. Yeah, this sounds really blackpilled. Um, and I'm actually a little concerned about the depressive tone. Um, but did this person, did Alexek really call out QAnon? Because I'd like to see some receipts on that. Uh, his colleague, Jason Shurka, who you pinged earlier, uh, Derek, is putting out full-on mole children documentaries uh, on his Disclosure Brand uh, channel. Also, like Marxism 101 is such a weird comment uh, to outsource your power to all of these sort of neoliberal managerial organizations. But <laughs> exactly. like, Marx, like Marxism 101 is labor theory of value, analyzing exploitation. Anyway, uh, I think this is a good example of a placeholder term that, that stands for anything. But I, I don't know. It's, it's, really, uh, a, it's really sort of uh, nihilistic. And it just made me think of... I kind of want to be delicate about this, but we know that a lot of these influencers have had COVID, Mm -hmm. some of them multiple times, and we know that long COVID is a thing, and some of that impact is going to come in the form of long-term health issues, including like, you know, mental health stress and cognitive decline. And if that turns out to be true, um, and that more people develop more severe cases of long COVID because they weren't vaccinated or they were reinfected over and over again. I can imagine there's going to be a portion of the demographic that we cover who are going to get more and f- more foggy over time, uh, more and more kind of depressive. And to compensate their arguments, I don't know, they might get more shrill. Who knows? Do you think that's what's happening to me? Well, <laughs> I wonder. I mean, Julian, you had COVID. Uh, yeah. We're going to keep an eye on you. Please do. Um, I have this. I have this sort of terror that you're going to show up in Slack one day with a message saying, "You know, I came across this really interesting book called The Course in Miracles. Uh, I think it provides some answers to the collective predicaments we're in." Well, you need to remember, Matthew, that everything you see in the world around you only has the meaning that your mind has constructed about it. Oh God. <laughs> All right, so finishing up, we've got Christiane Northrup, and um, she's still on Facebook, uh, remarkably, because I think she's alone in having managed to keep it clean enough to avoid deletion. Uh, And I was just watching the January 6th Great Awakening video. Uh, I think we've got 300-odd archived videos on our G Drive, Uh, and I was doing it for the book that Uh we just announced we had uh, have a contract for. And uh, I was remembering how, you know, whenever she wanted to say vaccine, she would hold up a peace sign so that her fingers formed a V uh, and then take a beat of silence and she would kind of smile coyly, uh, the sly old fox. (laughs) So anyway, now the Great Awakening has faded just like Q uh, and her feed on Facebook has returned to, you know, Fitzbo quotes and endorsements for body blueprint therapy or whatever, but also invitations to join her on Telegram, which is where you're going to find all of her hot Ukraine news. So I dipped into her Telegram stream, and I found that QAnon is prominent there. Uh, she offered this gem of a video featuring somebody named Gene Decode uh, on the QAnon channel Patriot Underground. And when I heard the name, I'm pretty sure that I've heard Northrop talking about Gene Decode 
in her Great Awakening series in several different videos, kind of in the same way that she would say, oh, so I was listening to Pam Popper or Lori Ladd or Elizabeth April. Like they're all part of the same, like, I don't know, church social club. So anyway, who is Gene Decode? Uh, I found his website through his Telegram channel, which has 87,000 followers. Uh, and then here's his bio note. So Julian? Ko Sensei Jean is a 20-plus year veteran of the U.S. Navy submarine fleet. He's a 40-plus years martial arts instructor, sensei in parentheses, as well as a lifelong student and practitioner of naturopathic medicine. There it is. He's also dedicated most of his life to the investigation and research of information pertaining to all things spiritual, health, parentheses, physical, mental, and emotional, social, political, and metaphysical. He was born with skilled remote viewing and psychic abilities that steered his life. I just have to say I'm picturing, I'm picturing an infant who's able to do remote viewing on where the milk is, right? Right, exactly. In August of 1990, Gene had an epiphany in which he suddenly realized the existence and massive influence of the satanic deep state cabal. We call that a psychotic episode where I'm from. Gene immediately began massive research to disprove this. However, everything he found only made it more obvious. (laughs) (laughs) He tried. He tried not to believe it. I just, as much as you don't like them, Matthew, I just have to say, this is where the new atheist could have come in handy because if he'd realized all of his research to prove a negative was not going to get anywhere, he, he may have not gotten so lost. Not only could they not disprove what he learned, they confirmed it through credible sources. In a death experience in August of 1992, now this is where this is kind of like the equivalent of a PhD in these circles, right? In a death experience, <laughs> he died for 30 minutes. That's actually post grad. <laughs> he met God, and after taking a holy covenant, you didn't God, take enough t- time there. He met God. Oh, sorry. He take met a God, beat, man. He met God, and after okay. taking a holy covenant, God allowed him to return to be of service to humanity, the earth, and God's creation. Throughout Gene's life, he had many events that changed his life and its course. <laughs> Looking back, uh, yeah. Gene now sees this as the hand of God during his life. Yeah. This series of events led Gene to embark on a continuing path of discovery in his lifelong quest to attain the absolute truth in all things through decoding the lies we've all been conditioned to believe through the course of many interviews and decodes shared with the world. Gene Ko Sensei was given the name Gene Decode. Can you imagine writing that about yourself? Anyway, Ooh. here are the topics that Gene covers in this uh, video that's posted to BitChute. Um, what's it called? It's called uh, Gene Decode Interview Number Seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, race-specific bioweapons labs in Ukraine. Uh, Putin taking down the Kazarian Mafia. Ancient bloodline analysis. Satanic ritual symbology. Dumbs update. That's deep underground military bases. Omicron variant. Secret antidote. China Taiwan intel. Zionist grip on Israel. Cryptocurrency deception. Take it away, Gene. Well, most people have now realized that Ukraine is just the the later result of what they're calling the KM or the Kazarian Mafia Empire that was started by uh, way thousands and thousands of years ago, but is the <laughs> long-term result of an infiltration to this world of a negative group that came from a constellation known as the, uh, the planets there don't exist. They blew, them, blew up <laughs> their homeworlds in their experimentation. That's how bizarrely insane these beings are. Uh, from two worlds in the Scion constellations, why they call it Zionism, 
because it ties to Scion. And so now you see the car, which is the you know blatant just saying, okay, Scion, because they really, there's nothing to go there and see anymore, but rubble. And so their original home worlds were Ariana and Na. And so that's why on earth, they take the terms Arian, uh, like ah. the uh, fourth, third, fourth, fifth Reich. That's one part of them. The other part uh, are the Na or what later became known as N-A-Z-I. So okay, you, you gotta, have you the turn different derivations of the terms that they <laughs> changed their names Enough. slightly to confuse us. Oh no. But it's not <laughs> at all, you know, what it looks like. Yeah, I'm not, you know, we don't even have to try with that. Uh, you can tell he does not stop talking. That goes on for, I think, over two hours. Uh, so there's Gene, your jittery, jittery uncle in the garage. Uh, I do want to say, I think you all uh, listeners can use this, that if you hear the Kazarian mafia phrase, uh, it's just becoming synonymous with Jews in all of this material. It's a way of hiding anti-Semitism behind some pseudo-knowledge about the region. But this was an, this was an important insight, Matt. Matthew, that that Israel has been controlled by the Zionists. <laughs> right. Now, the Khazar Kaganet was a real thing for a century or two in the Middle Ages. They were nomadic people, polyglot, multi-religious. Uh, there's no records of their written language, and there are no Khazars anymore. So if you hear anybody talking about them as though they're evil, you have to wonder what real stigmatized group they're standing in for. Uh, anyway, to... Uh, flag uh, Northrop's boosting of QAnon just comes off the tails of her starting to take the mask off of her bloodlust in public. Uh, so if you check our Instagram page, you'll see that I've posted a clip from a splashing talking head doc uh, produced by a guy named Jeff Weitzman. He likes to film himself harassing people for wearing masks mm. at Trader Joe's. Mm. Uh, so his documentary is called Signposts on the Road to Ascension. <laughs> of course. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit of the transcript to finish up here because it really encapsulates the themes of our project. Uh, he sits across from North Northrop and asks her searching questions and then he nods like a Padawan when she answers. Why would the ascension process happen uh, only when the deep state would come in and try to control everybody, use fear, use forced jabbing, forced masking. Why would the ascension process have to happen alongside that? Because to get stronger, she replies, you need to lift heavier and heavier weights. And there's this thing in the physical body, you can do way more than you think you can do, but you're not going to do it until you're forced to do it. And we're all like that. You and I are not afraid to drop the body and leave, she says. Uh, this whole deep state psyop plays on people fear of death. And then in the other clip, uh, this is the one I posted, uh, he wonders aloud whether Northrop is on a higher plateau of consciousness. And she dismisses the idea very sort of humbly. Uh, and she confesses to having murderous thoughts such as, do I get to pick the firing squad to kill these demons? She's referring to public health officials who recommend vaccination. Uh, she admits that such thoughts are typically taboo in New Age circles. So she's doing this integration judo now. She says, I like these thoughts. I am all for love and forgiveness. But if anyone comes near one of my children, I will have no problem putting a bullet in their head. I want people to own that part of themselves because that is righteous anger. It is a cause for health. And so that's part of what we're dealing with as conspirituality goes to war. Uh, rage is not only a reasonable response to the world, uh, rage and murderous thoughts might actually make you healthy. 